You're listening to audio from Calvary Baptist Church of Port Austin. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn more about us, please visit cbcportaustin.org. So this is the final message in our series, Life on Mission, as you can see on the screen there. And I want to just kind of quickly review where we've been and where we're going. I know when I say quickly review, you're like, yeah, right, that's going to be half the message. But I am going to go quick. Um, I've got notes to keep me quick. Okay, so um, in week one, we looked at the mission of God. And basically what we said is if we are not in line with God's mission, then we might as well go home. Right? Like, might as well sleep in on Sundays. There's no point in being here. I don't want to pastor a church that's not in line with what God is doing in the world. Okay? And so we looked at the scriptures and said, what is the mission of God? And after careful study and examination, we saw that God's mission is to spread His glory, to display His glory. That's why He created everything, including you and me. And we also saw that that glory is supremely seen in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so the way we say that at our church, we exist to spread a passion for the glory of Jesus in Port Austin and beyond. That's a rich, rich mission statement that goes right in line with what God is doing in the world. We want to spread a passion for the glory of Jesus. We want Jesus to be known and and lifted up and treasured and cherished. and, And we want people to be passionate about Jesus and to follow Him in all of life. And so that's what we looked at in week one. And amazingly, God's glory and our joy are not at odds with one another. We looked at that and we said when we get in line with God and his mission in the world, what we find is he gives us peace and contentment and joy. And so I quoted one preacher, John Piper, who says this, um, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Um, And so our satisfaction and God's glory are not at odds. See, if if I want to make Shannon look good and glorious, then I'm not going to be like, oh, she always makes me uh, help her with dishes and cook and and always complain about her. There's not going to be begrudging submission there. There's going to be joy and contentment and happiness and me talking about how great of a wife she is. And the same is true for us as Christians. If the world looks at you and you're like, yeah, I got to go to church on Sunday. I wish I could golf. Like They don't want that. That doesn't glorify God. And so this is really good news because... God is not after our begrudging submission. He's after our hearts. He's after our treasuring of him and and having a passion for Jesus. And so that was week one. And then in week two, we looked at the gospel because the gospel is God's instrument in, in bringing spiritual life into people. And so people can't glorify God without the gospel. And we said the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's the good news that Jesus died for our sins and rose again to bring us to God. Just a great truth. And I said you can remember the gospel with God, man, Christ, and response. And that will kind of help you remember the different elements of what to talk about when we're sharing the gospel with others. And then last week we looked at joining God's mission. See, we're already to week three. Look at that. Um, Joining God's mission. And I gave you some practical steps for getting started. And I said this starts with just identifying the people around you that God has placed in your life. And this is so key, and it's so cool, too, because in Acts 17, the Bible says that God determined where people would live. So that means God puts you in a specific place for a specific purpose with people around you that he wants you to reach. And so I said, it starts with just identifying, who are my neighbors? Right? If we're supposed to love our neighbor, it starts with getting to know them. Right? You've got to know their name um, if you're going to love them. Who are my coworkers? Where has God placed me? What are the things that I like to do, um, like playing sports or going fishing? How does that connect me with other people who like that, that maybe God would have me reach? And so identify. And I said, start praying for those people. Then you invest. Love them. Celebrate them. Show that you care about them. Don't make them a project. Actually show the love of Christ 
in their lives. And then the last one is just invite. Invite them to follow Jesus with you. Invite them to trust Christ. And so that was last week. And then this week, to kind of wrap this all up, I want to look at the topic following Jesus. Following Jesus. Because if we exist to spread a passion for Jesus... The way we do that is by inviting more and more people to follow Jesus. And so I want to look at what does it mean to follow Jesus um, and how do we help others do that. And so we're going to look at Matthew 28 again. I know we looked at it last week. Last week we kind of just read it and and then we quickly jumped into how do we get started in in making disciples. Um, This week I want to explain it a little more and, and then kind of give you some practical steps. So in Matthew 28... In verse 19 through 20, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And remember last week I said that means to make disciples. Okay? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe or to do or to obey all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And so that's, the, that's one of the best parts of the verse that Jesus comes with us, right? We are not sent alone. He's going to go with us. And so let's break down verse 19 quickly, okay, quickly. And then we're going to spend most of our time in verse 20. So let's look at that first phrase. Go therefore and make disciples. What does it mean to make disciples? Well, um, we talked about how to get started in that. This week I want to go a little bit deeper and ask the question, what is a disciple? What is a follower of Jesus. Um, what are we looking for when it comes to um, when we want people to follow Jesus? What does that look like? And even for parents and your children, what does it look like for your kids to follow Jesus? And simply put, a disciple is a follower. Okay, you can be a disciple of just about anything or anyone. Um, there are many young athletes who look to famous athletes and they are disciples of those athletes. They are followers of those athletes. They, they try to be just like them. Um, there was that phrase, be like Mike, back when Michael Jordan was popular. And, and man, people were sticking their tongues out on the basketball court. And, and they were picking number 23 and getting in fights about that number because they wanted to be like Mike. They were disciples of Michael Jordan. Um, there, are, there are young people who look to certain fashion icons and they, they follow their style. And they say they're disciples of those, those fashion icons. Okay, So disciple in and of itself is not a spiritual word. It just means a follower. Um, But when it comes to following Jesus, it's a little bit different because it doesn't start with something we do. It starts with something Christ did. Okay, to follow Jesus is impossible in our own strength. We, We can't. It doesn't matter how hard you try to model your life after him. It's impossible to do that in your own strength. And even when you do good at it from the outside... There's probably a hint of pride in there, so there's sin, so you're not following Jesus. So, so basically, when it comes to following Jesus, it has to begin with the gospel. That we can't follow Jesus. That we fall short of the glory of God. That there's nothing we can do to be good enough to earn God's favor on our own. And so Christ came. He lived the life we could never live. He died on the cross for our sins. And then he rose again to conquer death and hell. And now all who believe on him alone... All who repent and believe are then given salvation from their sins and new life. And along with that, he sends his spirit to indwell us and to enable us to then follow him. And so a a disciple of Jesus is someone who's heard the gospel and they've responded with repentance and faith. They've trusted Christ alone for salvation and his spirit indwells them, gives them new life. And then they're able to live for him in this life. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's one thing that you need to know about our church. We do not earn God's favor through our works. We do not 
earn salvation through what we can do. We can't. We fall short of God's glory. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. And that's why Jesus had to come. If all we had to do to earn God's favor was just live a little bit better, try a little bit harder, God would not have sacrificed his son on the cross. Jesus came, he paid it all. And so following Jesus begins with trusting Jesus, resting on him and what he did for you on the cross. That's where it begins. And then you're given the spirit to then go follow him in the rest of life. And so a disciple of Jesus is a follower of Jesus. And that discipleship begins by trusting Jesus. Okay, you've got to understand that. And that brings us to our next phrase, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So once a person places their faith in Christ, the next step is to baptize them. Why? Well, Jesus told us to. Right? I always go back to that. If you want to know why we do certain things in our church, it's normally because Jesus told us to do it. Right? Why do we always sing new songs? Well, the Bible says sing a new song unto the Lord. Okay? Um, why do we do the things that we do? Because the scriptures teach us to. Okay? So that's what, that's what I want to do. And if you ever say, hey, I feel like what you're doing there isn't in line with scripture then bring me the Bible and show me, okay? I am under the submission of God's word, okay? And so we need to understand that. But after a person places their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, their first step is to follow him in baptism. And this is an outward sign of their union with Christ. One of the greatest um, truths in all of Scripture is the fact that when you trust Christ, that first step in following him, when you trust him, you're united to him. And it's really a mysterious thing that I can't, really begin to explain. The Bible uses marriage to explain it, um, that, that you're united to him, you become one with him. I tried to use a plane a few weeks ago. When you step into the plane, everything changes. You're not in Adam anymore. You're in Christ. You're not on the ground anymore. You're in a plane. You have new abilities. You have a new perspective. Everything changes when you are baptized into Christ. And so we stand in the water and we allow someone to dunk us under the water to show that we're buried with them in baptism and then raised to walk and newness of life, okay? That's really why we're called Baptists, okay? Because we baptize that way. We, we look at the scriptures and we say that's how they did it, and so that's how we want to do it, okay? And so um, one person said it's an outward profession of an inward possession to be baptized. Um, the new believer is buried with Christ and then, and then raised, and that shows it. And a, a lot of times I've used a wedding ring to illustrate that. Um, this doesn't make me married to Shannon. It shows that I'm married. It declares to everyone I've been united to her, and that everything I have belongs to her and everything she has belongs to me. And, and, and we belong to each other now. And that's what baptism is. It's declaring to everyone in the room and everyone you know, I belong to Jesus. I've given my life to him. I'm following him now in every area of life. Okay, and so, so that's what baptism is. So we have go and make disciples. Then we baptize them. And now we're going to look at verse 20 for the rest of the time. It's teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So now we teach them to obey Jesus. Now, for me as a pastor, that is a really, really big thing to try to do. Like, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of OCD, so I want to obey it like really well. And when I look at all the things Jesus taught, I'm like, how do I even begin to do this, right? Like, I couldn't even teach all that you taught in a year. It would take forever, and that's kind of the point. Okay, after a person trusts Christ, and they follow him in baptism, they begin a lifelong journey of following Jesus. That's, that's what it looks like. The more that we grow in our understanding of Jesus and who he is, the more we, we determine that we're going to follow him in all of life. So we don't cram this into a four-week Bible study. Okay, It just doesn't work. Okay, I would love to. I'll be honest. I would love to just teach you everything Jesus taught. Um, but it is going to be a journey. 
And in my own life, it's a journey of reading the word and allowing it to weigh on me and to shape my my heart and my mind and my actions and to repent when I fall short and and to trust Christ to give me the power to live this out um, when I'm not doing it like I need to. Um, Mark Dever said said it this way, the Christian life is the discipled life and the discipling life. Okay, so the Christian life is just an entire life of being discipled and discipling others, helping others follow Jesus. And so um, that's really what the church is for. And so in the past, I've tried to give you a framework to help with this. Yes, it's a lifelong journey. Um, If you study the Gospels, there are tons of commands by Jesus um, that we couldn't even list them all right now. And then, not only that, that he gave the Spirit to his apostles to then be his delegates. And so everything they taught in the New Testament are the commands of Jesus. So we've got a lot to obey. And so what I've tried to do is I've tried to give you a framework to help you see the big picture And if you remember in January, we kind of looked at this a little bit. I said, if you take the Bible and you kind of wring it out and you look at the commands that are in there for Christians, for followers of Jesus, you can put them in four large categories, worship, community, service, and multiplication. If you take all the commands of scripture, you can probably fit them in one of those four categories. Okay. And so that kind of helps you see a large framework of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And that's what I want to look at today. And so here's a definition of a disciple at our church. This is, this is kind of helpful for us. A follower of Jesus who participates in gospel-empowered worship, community, service, and multiplication. That's really going to help you understand um, and give you a framework of what does it look like to follow Jesus. Am I worshiping him? Do I belong to a community of other disciples who are following him? Am I serving those around me like Jesus served? And am I multiplying? Am I reaching out to others with the gospel and seeing more disciples who make disciples who make disciples? Okay, that's what a follower of Jesus did. If you look through the gospels, you look through Acts, you look through the epistles, that's what you're going to find, those four large categories to kind of give you a framework. So, you've just invited your friend to follow Jesus. Those last steps, okay, from last week. You, you identified, you've been praying for weeks, you've been investing in them and loving them, and, and then you invite them. You say, hey, I heard a message at my church this past week about sharing the gospel, and I really I need to share this with you, and I'm not very good at it, so, so this might be hard to understand, but I'm going to try. And you, you stumble through the gospel, and you invite them, and they say, yeah, I'll follow Jesus with you. I'll believe on the gospel. And you're like, great, right? So, so they trust Christ, and then they come, and, and they're baptized. Um, okay, so now what do you teach them? And what I would do is I would take that framework and I would teach them that as a follower of Jesus, now you worship, you belong, you serve, and you multiply. And that will give you a helpful framework in your own life and in the life of others. Okay? Now, I want to emphasize these are not just four boxes to check. Okay? This isn't another list. We are so legalistic in our hearts and minds that, that we try to check boxes a lot. We're like, all right, did my spiritual stuff for the day. Now I can go do this. But this is not, these are not boxes to check. These are really components of our identity as followers of Jesus. And that's why it's so important. If you saw, I put gospel empowered. Okay? So we, we practice gospel empowered worship, gospel empowered community, gospel empowered service, and multiplication. Okay? So what, what do I mean by that? What I mean is we don't worship or belong or serve or multiply to earn God's favor. We, we can't earn God's favor. We gotta, gotta get that down. Okay? And we also are unable to do these things in our own strength. The gospel gives us the power to do it. Okay? The gospel gives us the power to live this out. The gospel, the good news that Jesus died for our sins, was buried, rose again to reconcile us to God. 
That gospel makes us beloved children of God himself. Like we talked about earlier with that verse. And so now we have the approval of God. The only one who really matters. And so it's out of that gospel now that we are empowered to live these truths out. And so that's why it's so important that these are not things you're doing in your own strength, but things that you're relying on God to help you through. Okay, so we're going to look at those today. Now, if you're like, we looked at those in January and you spent one sermon on each one. What do you mean we're going to look at them again? It's a little different today because I want the first time I was teaching you. Now I want you to listen, not as a well where you store it up for yourself. Listen as a river. Okay, I want you to get this and then I want you to be able to teach it to others. And that'll really help you absorb some of this a little bit better. So we're going to go through these and I want you to think about, okay, as I'm helping people follow Jesus, As I'm looking at my own life as a follower of Jesus, do I have these components? And I put a little tagline under each that kind of helps us see how it's connected to follow Jesus. Um, This doesn't, this isn't original with me, the little taglines, but they're really good. So I grabbed them and I'm going to use them today. Okay, so the first thing we do as disciples, we worship. And I put, it's the fuel for following Jesus. And a lot of times we have this idea of worship, and I say this all the time, that it's just singing It's just gathering to sing together with other believers. But but worship is far bigger than that when you study in Scripture. Worship is treasuring God above all else and responding in awe with our hearts, minds, and actions. That's worship. It's realizing the infinite value and treasure of God and giving our lives to Him as an act of service for Him. That's really worship. It's living lives to the glory of God. And, And what we've talked about before is that by nature we are worshipers. It's hardwired into us. Right? And so, so we all naturally ascribe worth to, to something and we respond accordingly. And so for some of us, we naturally ascribe a lot of worth to comfort, to money, to security. And so that kind of redirects and realigns the way we live our lives because that's something we're worshiping that we, we want more than anything else, that we treasure more than anything else. For some, it's relationships. Um, and people go from relationship to relationship trying to look for approval in their life. And, and so they ascribe so much worth to that, that that it becomes an idol in their life. And, and I say this all the time, but Shannon makes an amazing wife, but she makes a terrible God. And if I put her in the place of God and look to her for ultimate fulfillment, I'm going to crush her under the weight of that expectation. That's what we do. We do it with our jobs. We do it with our money. We do it with our spouses. We do it with our hobbies. We put these weight Um, on these things when they're just not meant to hold that. And so the gospel sets us free to worship the only one who really can satisfy, and that's God himself. And so as followers of Jesus, we we practice this by um, individually and corporately reading through the scriptures, by hearing preaching and teaching, by singing praises, by praying, by celebrating the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Um, by also living lives to the glory of God. And so we can worship God tomorrow at work. You can worship God while you're changing diapers. You can worship God while you're cutting grass. Paul said, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. See, when, when you treasure God above all else, it shapes the way you do everything. And that's exactly what we're looking for when we see a follower of Jesus worships. Okay, And so when you're teaching people, Um, As new believers, the first thing you're going to teach them is, hey, now you have the privilege of doing what you were created to do, worshiping God, treasuring him above all else, and letting that shape everything. The way you parent, the the way you're a spouse, the way you work, everything is shaped by your valuing, your treasuring of God. And so that's the first one. Um, The next one, we belong. It's the context for following Jesus. 
We are not called to, to, to follow Jesus alone. The Christian life is not a solo sport. Okay? We are to belong in a community of believers. And I define community this way. Participating in the activities and privileges of a people redeemed by the gospel of Jesus. That's community in the Bible. It's not casual involvement. It's not just a social club. It's caring for one another as members of the same body. That's the, that's the analogy Paul gives. You're, you're part of God's body now. You're part of the body of Christ. And so we love one another and we serve one another. We care for one another. And we're there for one another. Now sociologists will say that in our time, even though we are the most connected that we've ever been, we're also the most lonely. And it's because we, we don't have community anymore. It used to be people built big front porches and they hung out on the front porch. Now there's these little uh, steps you step up and they got a big back porch with a hot tub and a grill out back and they don't want to talk to the neighbor, neighbors, right? They want a big privacy fence um, because we are connected more than we've ever been. And so when we go to our houses, we just want to be left alone. Um, but what that leads to is this kind of individualistic approach to Christianity. And we don't see the value of community. Why would I give up a Wednesday night to come be with the church again? I was there Sunday. Right? I don't need that. Like, why, why, would I, why would I take time to pray for one another? Like, I've got my own life and I'm so busy. But community is understanding we're not called to this thing alone. And that's really good news. Um, but what happens in our culture, we have this achievement-based culture where we kind of project an image to others. And community gets behind that. Okay, the more you belong, the more you get to know someone, you get behind that kind of facade that we put up. And in our culture, we tend to withdraw and project. I always say that. And I use the illustration of on Facebook, you've got these perfect families and they're all smiling. But if you were there right before they took the picture, like the brother's biting the sister and the mom's yelling at the dad and it's just chaos. Okay, uh, but we look at that and we're like, my family doesn't look like that. And, and then we just get depressed. Okay, but, but that's the culture we live in. And it's really so bad. There was a time... When in Bible colleges, they would teach pastors that you don't want to, be too, you don't want to spend too much time with the church. Okay? You want to be the man of God. You want to be separate. You want to just be alone and then come and preach and then disappear. Um, and that, that's just not in the Bible. Okay? That's kind of like a CEO approach to leading a church. But shepherds are going to smell like sheep. That's just the fact of the matter. And pastors are shepherds. Okay? So we've got to be with people. But what's happened is in our culture, these pastors get into this mindset. And we withdraw and project. So, so we want you to think that a chariot pulled up to my house today and picked me up and it was uh, led by fiery angels and horses and, and they brought me here and they said, come preach God's word today, son. And, and I lived this perfect week where I was the great model husband and nothing went wrong in my life and I just love Jesus more than anything. And, and we project this image and it's just false. Okay, look, I'm a broken sinner just like you. I got in a car today, it kind of smelled funky, I'm not sure what's going on with that, alright? The exhaust is broken, it was super loud when I was driving here. I mean, it was just a normal ride to church, we were running a little bit late, okay? Things weren't perfect this morning, and so when we project an image like that, what, what we find is it's hollow, because it's not real. But community allows you to grow deep with one another, actually get to know one another. Know that, that there are hurts in this body, serious hurts, but God has brought us together to help with that. We belong to one another. We care for one another. We sacrifice for one another. We love one another. And Jesus said that the world's going to know you're my disciples by your love one to another. That's community. That's belonging. And so as you maybe are inviting your friend to follow Jesus, you need to emphasize it's so important that you're with a local body of believers called the church. Okay, And the church isn't the building. The church is the people. That's so, so important. So we worship. We belong. Next.
we serve. It's the overflow of following Jesus. Okay, and I defined it this way. Service is attending to the needs of others as an expression of God's grace and love. So the next thing you would want to teach a new believer is that part of your new identity now is to serve like Jesus served you. To love like Jesus loved you. To forgive like Jesus forgave you. And the most beautiful picture we have of this is when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Can you imagine that? Washing those dirty feet, and one of the guys was about to betray him. And yet Jesus, the Son of God, the creator of the universe, was on his hands and knees washing dirty feet. And so there's no amount of service that's too low for us as Christians. We serve. It's the overflow of following Jesus. We have been served beyond anything we can imagine. And so it's out of that that we now serve. And this is not guilt, okay? Uh, If you go to a hardware store and you ask a guy for a part and he doesn't know what in the world you're talking about and he starts looking through the magazine and he's flustered, he's going to try to keep a smile and he's going to try to serve you because his paycheck depends on it, but he's thinking some things that aren't very good about you um, in his head in that moment. And the reason I use the hardware store is because I used to work at a hardware store, okay? And so we have people come in and ask for some wild things. Um, And even though I'm serving them, it was kind of out of a guilt, out of I I want my paycheck, and out of I don't really care about these people. Okay, but as Christians, that's not how we serve. Okay, it's not out of a guilt. Well, pastor told me to, so I should probably help my neighbor with their lawn. That's not what this is. This is realizing the amazing gift of the gospel. That God would give his son for us. That we're beloved by God himself. that, That we have his approval and his love, and he serves us daily. Beyond our imagination, it's out of that we say, I want to serve others. I want to show others what it looks like to be a Christian by my serving them. And so this is not out of guilt. Okay, this is out of grace. This is why we practice this. And, and this starts in your home. That's sometimes the hardest spot, isn't it? To serve your spouse, to serve your kids, to serve your family members. That can be tough, okay? Um, but it starts there. Um, husbands, serve your wives. Wives, serve your husbands. Um, family, uh, parents, serve your children. Show them Jesus by the way you love them. Um, it, it goes to the workplace. Don't be the person that's always looking out for number one. Look out for others. Be a, be a salt and light in that workplace and show people Jesus by the way you serve. This is one of the most tangible ways we can show others um, what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. We work completely different because we're not working for an earthly boss. We're working for our Heavenly Father. That changes the way you go to work. That changes the way you love your spouse, the way you care for your kids. Okay, and so we serve. It's the overflow of following Jesus. And lastly, we multiply. It's the result of following Jesus. The next thing you want to teach new believers is that, hey, at some point, you're going to be doing what I'm doing with you now. And so I want you right now to start looking around. Where has God placed you that you can advance the gospel? And, and sometimes a new believer, is, that's the best time for them to start reaching out to their unbelieving friends because they were immersed in it just, just a minute ago before they believed. And sometimes we have this idea, well, they've got to climb the ladder and get mature, and then when they understand things really, really well and they've got all their theological boxes checked, then they can share the gospel. But that's not true. Okay, right when they become a believer, now go. Okay, go and share, your fr- share with your friends what Jesus has done in your life. Okay, I think of the, the maniac that, that Jesus healed, and, he, and he's like, can I go with you? And Jesus is like, no, go tell people the great things that God has done for you, right off the bat. And that's, that can kind of paralyze the church if people don't understand that. 
Because then you're waiting for who knows when for a person to be mature enough. I'm still not mature enough to share the gospel with, with that standard. And so it never happens. But if you right off the bat, you teach them we're worshipers now. We belong to a body called the church. We serve where we live, work, and play, and we multiply. And multiplication is the advancement of the gospel and the increase of both disciples and churches. This is a call for all of us. In Ephesians 4, the Bible says that preachers and pastors and teachers were given to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So when I became a pastor, I actually left the ministry. Um, My job is to equip you for ministry, okay? A little different than what we often think. Now, I'm being a little bit, um, obviously, over the top when I say I left the ministry, but you get what I'm saying. Like, my job now is not you pay me to do all the ministry. Really, my job is to equip you to do the ministry. And when the entire church is engaged in this, that's when things change. Okay, look at Ephesians 4 later. I'm not lying to you. Okay, that's my job, to equip the saints for the work of ministry through the ministry of the word and prayer. There's a job description of a pastor. Okay, and so, yes, I'm in the ministry as a disciple of Jesus, but as a pastor, I'm more like a coach. Okay, I'm trying to help you get engaged in the mission and and go and serve Jesus where you live, work, and play. And so multiplication is the result of following Jesus. As the person grows and, and as they understand what it means to follow Jesus, Um, That is the end result that they are now going and sharing the gospel and helping other people follow Jesus as well. And so so when you think about what it means to follow Jesus, think about those. And that will really help you look at your own life. What, What area could I work on? But also when you're teaching others. We worship, we belong, we serve, and we multiply. That's what a disciple does. It's part of our identity now. And so as we close, I want to ask you two questions. Okay, The first question is, are you... A follower of Jesus. Remember, this begins with belief. So have you trusted Christ alone for salvation? Have you had a time in your life where you've accepted that free gift? If not, I want to invite you right now to trust Him. Trust Him. Call out to Him right now and ask Him to save you. He will. But if you are a believer and you are a follower of Jesus, which one of these areas could you ask the Lord to help you grow in? Maybe you're like, I, I treasure Jesus more than anything. I, I, I love reading my Bible and praying and, and doing my work to the glory of God. And I'm trying to serve and I'm trying to belong here in the church. But man, I'm struggling with that multiply part. I'm struggling sharing the gospel. That's what we're talking about in this series. And so ask God to help you with that. All right. Then, so are you a follower of Jesus? The next question, are you helping others follow Jesus? Remember, the Christian life is the discipled life and the discipling life. We are being discipled and we're helping disciple others. We follow Jesus. We help others follow Jesus. That's believers and unbelievers. We're all on a journey of following Jesus. And so are you living a life on mission? Are you identifying and investing in your unbelieving friends and helping them follow Jesus? Are you involved in this church and in helping one another and encouraging one another as we follow Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus and are you helping others follow Jesus? That's what I want you to consider today. Jesus said, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And I love that last part. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. He's with us as we go. So as we consider what it means to live a life on mission, let's remember, Jesus is with us as we go. Let's obey Christ's final command and be a church on mission.